Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. Friday on NFL Live. Hold the H. Hold the H. Coming up, Melvin Gordon's agent speaks about his client's demands for a new contract before training camp begins. How high is Gordon looking to go? We'll answer that off the top. And a new pass interference rule is revolutionizing officiating in the NFL. As the officials meet today in Texas, we'll have a live report for you as all this madness comes huge, together. So welcome huge to NFL Live. Jack Friday. Jeff Darling, the two-time Super Bowl champ. You know, Damian Woody, another Super Bowl champ. Over on the end, and Jeff Saturday, two of the best offensive linemen in the history of the NFL we have today. You don't get this every day, Jeff. Yeah, and then, uh, and, then, and then me. Yeah. That's the story of our life, no, That's the story of our life. We're usually the want, want, wants. This yeah. time you are. Not on this set. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So, speaking of Hollywood, we have a brand new Hollywood drama that may shake the AFC West. As a former first round pick, Melvin Gordon is ending that fifth year option of his rookie deal, looking for big money or no football. Worth mentioning that Gordon skipped most of the offseason but did attend mandatory minicamp. So here is Gordon's agent, Fletcher Smith, talking about that new deal they're looking for. Well, he's prepared to sit. And, you know, we'll take it day by day, week by week, and see how things go. But at this time, um, if he can't get anything done, he certainly won't be in training camp. And he's prepared to sit as long as he has to. You know, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe he ends up in, in San Diego, stays where he is, right there in Los Angeles. There's nothing to suggest that he does not want to be there. He just wants to be compensated. He'd love to stay in San Diego, assuming we could get something done. But if, he, if we can't, he's prepared to move. Okay, so Gordon has only completed one full season as a Charger. Been dinged up a little bit. In four years, he has just a single season that went over a 1,000 yards rushing. Gordon averaged fewer than four yards per carry in his first three years, but took a big leap in year four, 5.1 yards per carry was that average, eighth among all backs. And he's been an absolute touchdown machine, too. Gordon, 12 touchdowns, at least 12 touchdowns in three straight years. That's 38 total. A grand total of zero other NFL players have accomplished that. So, Jeff, what is the latest with how this whole contract thing may unfold? Well, look, this is a warning shot, right? We're not to training camp just yet, but to Melvin Gordon's credit, I mean, he is this in a situation where he can afford to do this. Right. This is not like Le'Veon Bell. Let's get that out of the way right now. Le'Veon Bell had a really nice contract offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers and was due to make $14 million that year. In this situation, Melvin Gordon entering the fifth-year option, and he was outside of the top ten, which means he was slotted to make not that much money in this fifth-year option. If he were to hold out for, say, ten weeks, get his six-week accrued season, and then go into free agency, it doesn't seem like he's, he's leaving that much to chance in that situation. Seems to me like he could be very serious about this holdout. How, how much guaranteed money would you be willing to give a guy like Gordon? Now listen. What Todd, Gur- Todd Gurley got? Yeah. What, you know, you're giving him that much money? What, 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 listen, see, I think this is where people get, get things twisted because they get caught up in the name, it, but it's more of where you slot in, in the marketplace. Yeah. Okay, because the whole goal is, 
okay, Todd Gurley reset the market. Now I need to come behind him right. and Le'Veon and keep pushing the numbers higher. We already talked about the, the numbers. I mean, this guy, since 2015, second in touches, third in total scrimmage right. yards, third in, in, in scrimmage touchdowns. This guy is one of the best backs in the National Football League. So looking at it from Melvin Gordon's position is, okay, I'm playing on the fifth year. Then you can come back and tag me the next year. By that time, I'll be 28 years old. Why would a team want to give me a a long-term extension when I'm a 28-year-old back? So if I'm Melvin Gordon right now, he has a leverage. It's 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 And by the way, before I know you're going to shoot this one down, but if I'm the Chargers, I got to pay him a little bit more. I'm trying to sell tickets in a place where the Rams are owning the marketplace. Yeah. We got a new stadium coming up. If I'm That's ownership, right. I'm saying Phillip Rivers is older. It's time to win. But, Jeff, I know what you think about this. Tom Telesco is going to say, hey, go ahead and take a the, seat, bro. Yeah, this is, this is the difficult part anytime you get into this negotiation is that Tom Telesco, they've built a roster that can win, right? And they have won. Last year, the last couple of years, they've actually been set back by injury. Melvin Gordon actually being one of those guys that set them back with, with his injury. I think this is twofold for Tom Telesco. And this is one of the first big deals that he's going to have to get done and a number of big deals because they've drafted extremely well. It's do you take care of the guys in your own locker room? And in my opinion, that sells huge in your locker room. It brings unity. Yeah. It brings, you know, it, it brings guys together. To, to Damian's point, this back, is special. He's in the David Johnson, the Tiger. He's in the same category, upper echelon of backs in our game. Zeke Elliott, all, all those type guys, right? Le'Veon Bell, you see the numbers. This, what, what he does extremely well that sets him apart is he's not only a between the tackles runner that he can do well and he does the pitches nice and he gets outside. First guy very rarely ever makes the tackle. What he does after he's across the line of scrimmage separates him. Man, he can take the ball the distance. Anytime you put the ball in his hands, whether it's screen pass, pitch, whether it's downhill, he can take it yard, which not every back in our game can do. I think Tom has to sit back and go, okay, Phillip Rivers is 38 years old. We got a good roster. We have a shot to win. Do I overpay now for a running back that in two or three years, because he has been banged up. The thing is, though, he's been banged up for you. I mean, he's been banged up for this football team, right? So it's not like, you know, he's out. He's doing what you've asked him to do. Backs, Jeff. That's it. It's, it's, it's the market of, does Telesco have a firm ceiling on, we won't pay a running back over this number, and are we willing to stick to that? Because ultimately, it could affect your quarterback's future and, and, the, and the, you know, the future of the franchise. It's a, it's a tough decision for the way this thing plays Jeff, out. You've also, he's made a really good point about the fact that Telesco is probably like, you want to sit out training oh, camp training in 10 camp. weeks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that, that's, that's, that's the deal. The, yeah, the, the, pro- G, the GM is probably like, man, listen, go ahead and yeah. sit out. Take your camp. time. You might even sit out some time during a regular season. That's I'm cool. good. I'm good. I just need you like November, like, November. like yeah. when, it's, when, it's, when, it's time, when it's really time to get down to it, I need you back. Here's need the, you back here's the problem with all that. When you get to week 10 and you walk back in, do you walk in with a sore hamstring? Yeah, hell you, yeah, you, I mean, hand, you walk in with a sore back, hey, or do you walk in ready to rip it? No, you know your what I mean? Ha- your hamstring. That's what I'm saying, and, that, yeah. and and that's the. I mean, that's the that's, that's right. the area where you you know, you're like they people don't want to talk about it, but at that point, you're going to need them. You're going to really need them. So it's an exciting thing to look at. All right, so let's get it from one unhappy running back to another, and Duke Johnson, who's really kind of entered this weird three way mix of backs that they have there in Cleveland. So Duke signed with a new agent, Drew Rosenhaus, on Thursday. As the source tells that to Adam Sheffield. You may remember that's the same agent that got A.B. out of Pittsburgh and out west to the Raiders. So, Jeff, why the move? What do you expect to well, happen here with Duke? Let's be very clear here. Kristen Campbell is 
Like, she's awesome. Like, like she puts Uncle Luke in his place. This, this is the wife of Uncle Luke right here. Right. Uh-huh. Okay, Luther Campbell. She did Devontae Freeman's deal in Atlanta and made sure that thing got done. So nothing against her at all. I don't know if this is going to help. Sometimes you just need some fresh blood kind of making the point. The one thing I'll say about Drew Rosenhaus is everybody thinks of him as the shark. I don't know what it is. I've talked to some GMs recently who say that Drew is just really poignant lately. He gets his points across. He makes sense. He is rational. You remember those sit-ups that Terrell Owens was doing years ago? Oh, yeah. The way he handled the Antonio Brown deal makes me think that this is a little bit of a different Drew Rosenhaus, and he could very well be the guy to get the job done for Duke Johnson. A lot of agents are going to hate me for saying that. So the world-famous pass interference no-call, you all remember it from that NFC championship game. Now the new pass interference rule becomes the number one topic at the NFL's annual officiating clinic right outside Dallas today. Senior Vice President of Officiating Al Riveron will work with the league's 122 officials throughout the clinic. So let's catch you up to speed real quick because there has been some ongoing stuff throughout the offseason with this rule. March NFL owners respond to the Saints-Rams no-call by allowing pass interference to be reviewed for the first time ever. The new rule applies to both offensive and defensive pass interference. Additionally, a flag doesn't have to be thrown on a play for PI review to take place. And in May, the owners voted to allow coaches the ability to challenge interference in the final two minutes. Previously, league officials handled all replays during the final two minutes of a game. And then fast forward to June, the NFL flips it back and decides not to let coaches challenge plays in the final two minutes, but they will still be able to challenge interference calls during other parts of the game. So it's not that complex, right? So let's welcome in our Stefano Fasar to make this thing a little bit easier. You're at the officiating clinic today. Stefano, why did the owners decide against letting coaches challenge in the final two minutes in particular? Well, it really was a collective decision between the competition committee, the officials, and also the team owners. And, and really, it, it was related to the pass interference, the changes to reviewing pass interference. Uh, and several conversations with league officials here today, uh, you know, they felt that leaving alone the process of having uh, the replay booth making decisions in the final two minutes, it was the best interest of the game to avoid too many stoppages and also to avoid too many drastic rule changes in just one off season. And many are going to say that there's pass interference on every single play, depending on how hard you look, and rightfully so. So how is the league trying to avoid this new rule destroying game flow? Well, fans are clearly concerned about that. And, of course, look, the league, the league does not want the game to slow down. They don't want too many stoppages. Uh, but Senior Vice President of Officiating Al Riveron, he, he's pretty confident and, and, and happy about how it is going to be moving forward. Sounds good. Stefano, thank you There's very much. It's not really a concern, and it's our job and it's my responsibility to make sure that we have our people trained to look for certain things. And again, you've got to remember the standard. What's the standard, Stefano? Clear and obvious. Clear and obvious under visual evidence. Visual evidence. If we don't see it, it's not about what you feel in your gut. This is visual evidence, and we have that standard. Is it clear and obvious? If it becomes clear and obvious, then we stop it and take a look at it. Now, with such a, a drastic rule change to so such an important rule, this NFL official summit is crucial this offseason, especially with six rookie referees. And that includes two former players, Nate Jones and Terry Killens, that are entering their first season after stints in college football. Stefano, we appreciate it. So what do you, I want to get straight to you. What's, what's the single biggest concern here with the new rule in your mind's eye? I feel like they're, they're opening Pandora's box yep. in this situation. I, listen, it's, um, it's a game that's, that's rough by, you know, it has human error. We all live with that. As players, we understand that. There's going to be bad calls that's going to go against you. But I think once you get into this arena of, well, we're going to start reviewing this and we're going to start reviewing that, first of all, it messes up the flow of the game. 
All right? And Jeff knows this as a, as a former player. Everyone points to that one play. And it, granted, it was, there's no question about it. It was, it was a horrible call. Yeah, they missed it. They missed it. There's no question about that. But as a player, we've always talked about it. Even coaches will always preach to us. There are more than, other, more than one play that usually determines the outcome of a game. Mm-hmm. And you go through any game tape, any breakdown after, after, after you play a game, and you'll see countless plays where they could have decided the outcome of the game. So I just worry that with the league going down this path, where else are we going that could possibly slow down and hinder the game of football? Yeah. I mean, listen, th- think about what he just said in that little clip at River Run, right? We understand, right? We have this standard. We have all this yeah. kind of stuff, right? It's week 14. Chiefs and Pats are playing. You're, in the, you're inside the 10-yard line, and you, you, you have tight man coverage. You're playing bump and run. All of a sudden, a guy's grabbing – maybe grabs a little jersey because the, the, the receiver's trying to push off, and ball gets tipped. It's intercepted for a touchdown. That's now a reviewable play, right? Like, like you're talking about changing and, – and in the past, this play is yeah. going to stand what it is. Now they can go back and see, was it P.I.? Did he grab the jersey? Did he push, did he push off? You know, when they're, when they're running rub routes in the, in the red zone where the receiver kind of posts up and runs a little route to make the, the defensive uh, linebacker go over the top, does he touch him? I mean, all of these things now become part of it. And when you say clear and obvious, it may be clear <laughs> and obvious. What does that mean? I mean, that's, you know what I mean? Like that's. I mean, I, he acts like it's super clear. Yeah. We all know as fans, it's not super clear, right? And and to, to Woody's point, man, things get missed all the time. We've we are imperfect players, imperfect referees. Stuff doesn't always go your way, man, and it it hurts you. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt you, but to Woody's point, man, I've won a lot of games that calls have gone my way. I've lost games called. It, there's a whole bunch of plays that could have, could have made a difference in that football game. To change the entire structure of the rule, yeah. you, you have opened Pandora's box. And now you're letting someone in New York decide the outcome of plays, man. I don't like it. I don't ever want somebody to go back, well, Al Riveron decided this is where the play should be decided. No, that is not I mean, that is not how I want my Please, game decided. Let, let me tell you something. So you guys are against no, reviews in general. Let, let me tell you something. Calls. People don't pay money to see Al Riveron. Exactly. I don't want exactly. Al, the less I see Al Riveron, the exactly. better. Okay? Exactly. Okay? Al Riveron's a respected individual. Hey, okay? Al, great. But, but, no, but you don't pay to go but, see him. But, hey, but to your point, clear and obvious, like that was kind of driving me a little crazy. Yeah. I love Al Riveron, but, but man, clear and obvious? Ask every fan on every pass interference, right. whatever side you're on, it's clear and exactly. obvious. That's right. exactly. That's exactly my point. That's exactly my point is, is you see contested plays all the time. And where I, I, every turnover and every touchdown is reviewed anyway. You know, so now it's bringing pass interference into the review process. So, so what are you asking referees to now look at? I, I just think, man, from my perspective, and I'm hoping – this is what I hope. I hope Goodell looks at Al Riveron and goes, don't you do it. Don't, don't, don't make this about the NFL officiating. You make it be, yeah. so, you make it be Saints, Rams obvious. Yeah. It's got to be that obvious. Anything else, don't you feel, we're going to let it ride. In, in NBA you know? games, like you, you have playoff games where the, the, the yeah. fouls get hard. Sure. Yeah. Like, there's got to be some yeah. of that too, it, man. It amps yeah. up, man. It's part of the game. It is, yeah. it is what it is. And as games get more important as the season goes on, you want to see it that way. Yeah. That's what fans, that's why you pay to see it. I mean – yeah, I, I ain't a fan. And, and just for the fun of it, there was no team in football that committed more pass interference last year than the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> Preach it. Preach it. Preach it.
Call it whatever you want. I just call oh. it. Madison. Let's take a little trip to the city. The Giants made franchise-altering moves, both the draft, free agency. First, they traded OBJ to the Browns, 17th overall pick, third rounder as well, and Jabril Peppers. What that went for, then with the sixth overall pick that they earned the old-fashioned way by playing not good football, the Giants took one of the most controversial quarterbacks in the draft in Daniel Jones. And Jones, right now, one of five first-rounders who haven't signed their deals yet. Four of those five were picked in the top six. That includes Nick Bosa, who's the brother of Joey, of course. Joey had that long holdout. That was three years ago. You may remember that. Ryan Burns of the Panthers is the only first-rounder outside the top ten who hasn't signed just yet. So our Giants reporter, Jordan Renan, travels to enemy territory, Texas, for an offensive line camp that is happening this week. Jordan, let's start with Daniel Jones. Remains unsigned, 10 days till training camp. What's going on with his deal right now? Yeah, well, look, like you mentioned, Joey Bosa was one of those guys right in the past. Uh, Nick Bosa now, he's unsigned as well. So a lot of these CAA guys, guys ripped by Jimmy Sexton and Tom Condon, they have in the past taken a little bit longer to finalize the minute details in these rookie deals. Now, I don't think it's anything to worry about with Jones. There's optimism that it'll eventually get done. Sam Darnold last year with the Jets, he missed, I think it was two days. So in the grand scheme of things, two days of camp isn't that big a deal if it came down to that. But there's still optimism that this will get done early. And that some of the things that they've you know, fought over in the past, and, and I use the word fought it, very loosely, is offsets and voids in the contracts, things down the road, the little minute details that matter to some of these agents out there, especially the CAA agents. So, so, Jordan, give us some idea what kind of a competition we believe this will be between Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. If it's going to be a competition, right, something, a real competition of who's going to start in week one, something crazy, something wild is going to happen, right? Like maybe Eli Manning getting injured, which he hasn't at any point in his NFL career. The Giants committed to him to bring him back another year. And I spoke to a player during minicamp several weeks back, and he told me, look, Daniel Jones' arm looks great, right? You see why he's, you know, a high prospect and going to be a good quarterback, but he's a long ways away. He's very far behind Eli Manning in regards to knowing the offense, being a veteran, knowing how to get everybody lined up and put everything together. So there's not a real competition in regards to who's going to play week one. Maybe it's just a competition of, okay, when is Daniel Jones going to be caught up to the point where Eli Manning is right now? And the Giants, they fully believe that Eli has something left. They made that very, very clear throughout the offseason. So, Jordan, by the way, what are, you, what are you doing in Dallas today? What's going on over there? <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, you got some of the offensive linemen on set over there. I thought those guys, just their job was just to stand in guys' way, right? Just, just take up space, and then and that's how you block a quarterback. But there's a lot of intricacies, and I, I was just sitting in a, a classroom with a bunch. There's 40 guys at this O-line masterminds here in Dallas, and they were talking about really the techniques of how to stop some of the top pass rushers, and that's what it's all about. This is in some ways a response to Von Miller had his pass rushing camp started several years back. Lane Johnson, the Eagles' right tackle, he said uh, during an interview, he said, look, we all have to get in a room and figure out how to stop these pass rushers. So Duke Manyweather, who's a very respected offensive line coach throughout the, around the league, he trains guys in the offseason, he called up Lane Johnson and said, we have to make that happen. And this is the result 
of that conversation where all these offensive linemen from around the league, all pros left and right. I mean, you're talking about Teron Armstead, Mitch Schwartz, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, some top offensive linemen. They're here and they're discussing ways that they handle pass rushers and techniques that they use in order to stop the opposition. And as Brandon Brooks was said during one of these sessions earlier today, he said, and I know the guys in the studio are going to agree to this, offensive line, people don't give it credit, but it is the most skilled position of any in football. Pink shirt under a gray suit. It's an absolute power move. I respect what you do, my <laughs> friend. Thank you very much. Jimmy G may be all the way back after the ACL a season ago. He's, quote, good to go for the start of training camp. Doesn't expect to be placed on active PUP. Garoppolo participated in individual workouts during the spring and should be nearing 100% if he's not already there. I have this quote from Garoppolo earlier this week as well. said, no pressure to live up to. It's more the pressure I put on myself to perform at the highest level regardless of the situation. That's one of the great things about this league is nothing is given. You've got to earn everything you get. All right, Jimmy G. So what are you hearing? Before you get into that. What's up? That video still pisses me off. Which one? <laughs> Garoppolo. What okay. the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, literally, you right by the sideline. Yeah. Get the hell out of bounds. Yeah. What do you think? You are Herschel Walker? I love him, too. Hey. He's got, like, that Damn. ball crew. I mean, it up for I wasn't going to say anything, but I looked at yeah. like, what the hell was Garoppolo doing? I love him. Yeah. Damien goes off screen. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, from an offensive line perspective, it does, because you protect this dude, for, right. and then you'll get by the sideline. And then you want to play, you, you like, want to be a hero. Yeah, man, come on, man. I get, I get trying to get the extra yard. Not at that moment. Oh, right. <laughs> Not for that guy. Okay, so that was the, obviously the play that you put his knee on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We can just catch up on that. So what, what are you hearing about where that knee may stand right now? I mean, they feel good about everything. Yeah. I, it's, it's one of those things we talk about all the time. We were talking about this with, you know, with Todd Gurley yesterday. Yeah. Everybody feels good about it. Everybody felt good about Andrew Luck. Right. <laughs> Everybody's sure fresh, man. Everybody felt good about Cam Newton. Yeah. Now we'll see what happens in the Helmets and fly. shorts, man. Uh, everybody's good. Everybody's, everybody's 100% until after the first day of training. <laughs> That's exactly right. right. So but, how much short-term pressure do we feel like Garoppolo is under? How much pressure is on this year, these first two years? Well, I mean, we haven't seen him. Yeah. We haven't seen him. Like, we, the, the fact that we have – it's a combination. We haven't seen him, and he hasn't played that many games. Mm. And he has a big contract. Ten starts. Right, ten it. starts. So we don't really know who Garoppolo really is. I mean – I know what I got in Kyle Shanahan. I've seen what Kyle Shanahan has done. Oh, yeah. I don't really necessarily know what we're getting in Garoppolo yet. But there's still no pressure on Garoppolo. No, there's the no pressure because the contract. Yeah, yeah. The contract. And listen, if we're going to talk about pressure, the, to me, all the pressure's on John Lynch. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was in the booth, came, you know, came down to, be a, to run a franchise. All right? And what, what is this, year, what, year three? Yeah, entering year, year three. Entering year three. Okay? Yeah, like, Jed York is like, okay, my man, like, time is a ticket now. We get, we, we need to, I need to start seeing something on my plate right now because I'm tired of seeing the Rams and the, and the Seahawks, you know, dominate our division. So that's who has the most pressure. Let, let me, let who runs me this show in San Francisco? Is it Lynch? Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan? Oh, yeah, Shanahan. I yeah. mean, John Lynch, and that is no disrespect no. to John Lynch, but more and more, the more that Kyle Shanahan is in that building, the more he is imposing himself on personnel decisions from the standpoint that – and, and guy, guy, the way, guys, these, are, these guys do work very well together. Yes. I'm telling you, Shanahan and Lynch work very well together, but Kyle knows exactly what he needs and wants Who do you in trust this offense. Himself, too. I'm sorry. Kyle Shanahan. I really could see this playing out where John becomes more and more of, like, the overseer of the organization and Kyle becomes more and more involved in personnel. 
they're working very collaboratively right now. Though. Listen, here, here's the thing about Shanahan. In, in the offense he runs, I would say, as you're looking at him, he knows the pieces and parts he wants to make the thing succeed. Sure. And he knows how much should be paid to each one. That's not taking away from John Lynch. That's just Tony Dungy was no different with Bill Pullen, who's in the Hall of Fame. Both guys are in the Hall of Fame. But Tony Dungy, in his defense, knew which guys need to be paid. Then they go find the guy that fits the slot. And that's what John Lynch's job is. That's not one is more important than the other. That's they both work yeah, together. That's right. And they can make this and that's, work. Im- that's important. Listen, yeah. no, no one is better than the other. It's just working together in that's tandem right. to make the best of the 49ers. All right, as we talk about guys getting paid, let's get it back to our main story of the day. It's Melvin Gordon. This Hollywood drama is going to shake the AFC West. Former first-round pick, as we told you, entering that fifth-year option of his rookie deal, looking for big money, or else he may hold out. Worth mentioning, Gordon skipped most of the offseason but did attend mandatory minicamp. So here's Gordon's agent, Fletcher Smith, on where things may stand. Well, he's prepared to sit, and, you know, we'll take it day by day, week by week, and see how things go. But at this time, um, if he can't get anything done, he certainly won't be in training camp, and he's prepared to sit as long as he has to. You know, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe he ends up in, in San Diego, stays where he is, right there in Los Angeles. There's nothing to suggest that he does not want to be there. He just wants to be compensated. He'd love to stay in San Diego, assuming we could get something done. But if, he, if we can't, he's prepared to move. Melvin Gordon's a stud, but only completed one full season as a Charger and in four years seen just one single season go over 1,000 rushing yards. Gordon averaged fewer than four yards per carry in his first three years, but made a big jump in year four, bumping that up to 5.1 yards per carry. That's eighth, ranks eighth among all active backs. He's been a touchdown machine, too. Gordon has at least 12 touchdowns, three straight years, 38 is that total, and over that span, zero other players have been able to do that. So, J.D., how do you see this thing playing out? The Chargers have every reason to believe Melvin Gordon is serious when he says that he will hold out. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the contract structure, we're going to keep making comparisons to Le'Veon Bell because he just held out last year. It's totally different. Le'Veon Bell was playing for $14 million. He was leaving a lot more money on the table to try to make what is probably going to be similar money. Correct. In this situation... It's a player who was picked outside the top 15 or a top 10. So he's talking about a, a fifth-year option of like five-plus million dollars. Melvin Gordon, given on what's on the other end of this, about how much he's projected to make in free agency, would be perfectly fine to go ahead and potentially forfeit $330,000 per game. It actually does make sense. I wouldn't step on that field if I'm Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I, would you I'm, be willing to Le'Veon Bell this thing, though? Would you sit out the whole year? That didn't exactly work just, out No, either. no, you got to no, get no, that accrued season. No, no, no. Get the season. Yeah. yeah. Ten, but I, but ten weeks. Get the, get the season, but I will be showing up like week 10. You got to play six. You got to be week six ten. regular season games on yeah. the active week roster. Week 10, I'm showing, I'm showing up, and, and my hamstring might be a little, yeah. might be a Back, little sore. A little tight. Yeah, but I, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll show up there because it doesn't make any sense. Listen. Right. Everyone, we've talked. How many, how many times have we talked about Jeff? How the running back position is devalued, Absolutely. devalued. Melvin Gordon is 26 years old. Okay, we, and you touched upon it already. The fifth year option. Okay, bump it out another year. Then they could possibly franchise right. you. So again, by the time you get to the end of it, he could be 28. Who's paying a running back at 20 a long term extension for a running back who's 28 years old? Melvin Gordon is probably looking at a situation like this. I got to strike while the iron is hot Absolutely. right now. We've seen Todd Gurley get paid. Le'Veon Bell's getting paid. Phillip Rivers is, what, 37 years old? Yep. He's not getting any younger. And they guess what? They need him on that They need him. And guess what? 
the Los Angeles Chargers are moving into a stadium That's in right. 2020. Mm-hmm. So they need all hands on deck to try to sell out that stadium. That's and right. guess who's a major piece to the Los Angeles Chargers? Right. Melvin Gordon. The bottom line is the CBA is absolutely broken with regard to the running back position. It's thankless, and they're the most beat-up position. Chargers might as well it's trade absolutely them, absolutely right? brutal. I mean, he, they're not going to. They'd rather no. just get them fresh at Week 11. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and... (laughs) I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with Geico, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Problem is, he's been nicked up. He's been banged up. Those things end up costing you in negotiations. But when he's on the field, the guy could not be more productive. We talked about the touchdowns. Listen, that don't just happen. That's a guy who seeks and smells the end zone. Every player who's ever blocked for a guy understands there are guys who have a different mindset when they get inside the red zone. They got a different mindset when they get near that touchdown zone. Man, them guys, they finish. Those guys just don't fall off, man. I mean, it is it is a big difference in those style backs. That's why Tom Telesco and the Chargers are thinking they may have to overpay, maybe break their scale of where the ceiling is that they have on a running back because he's that productive for them in this offense. And Coach Lynn, a former tailback as well, so he's oh, yeah. been developing these guys. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty darn good, too. Yeah. He's been popping off these Justin last Jackson, years. good players. Yep. Again, not Melvin Gordon. They may need Justin Jackson to play a little bigger role. Right you know it. Day. You That's know it. Everybody's looking for their money. Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern deadline for any club that designated a franchise tag to sign the player to a multi-year contract or extension. After this date, the player may sign only a one-year contract with his prior club for the 2019 season, and such contract cannot be extended until after the club's last regular season game. So that's where all that stuff stands. Let's go through some of these guys. Jeff, start us off with Jadavian Clowney and the GMless Texans. Yeah, look, you nailed it right there. GMless, right? Jadavian Clowney will be the first guy to really face some detriment because the team doesn't have a GM. They are not expected to get a deal done by July 15th. That means that Clowney will be playing this season under the franchise tag. We'll get $15.9 million, but this is also a guy who probably now going to miss almost all, if not all, of training camp. They don't expect to see him until the regular season. Clowney, though, it looks like, does plan to play starting the regular season. Still gets pretty penny. There you go. Atlanta stud, Grady Jarrett, that defensive tackle, what's it look like for him? That's right. Grady Jarrett has signed his tender, but this has been a priority for the Falcons all season long. They want to get him done, uh, and they need to get him done. This is a team that's got guys like Julio Jones, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, Austin Hooper. These guys all need to somehow wind up under the salary cap. Thomas Dimitrov, the team's general manager, has a task, and it starts with Jared. Robbie Gold, the kicker. I mean, this, this one may be my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite, too. I don't even Let's know what to tell you about this. <laughs> Here's a guy who still hasn't signed his tender. 49ers know how valuable a kicker certainly is. He's basically saying we'll see what happens once that uh, deadline occurs. He doesn't have to do anything until then. He'd like a long-term deal. After that, he says, we'll see. So this one just kind of up in the air at this point. He has not signed his tender just yet, though. July 15th, 4 p.m. Like, he doesn't like San Francisco? What's the deal? <laughs> no, I think he likes San Francisco. He just he wants, wants to be to get in paid. Chicago or what? He wants to get paid. Oh, it's about the yeah. money more yeah. so than but, closer but, to family. By the way, I, we'll see what happens before that deadline. Uh, you know, we've tra- talked about the trade talks and all that kind of yeah. thing. Grady Jarrett, the one of that group that I think gets done. The rest, kind of tricky. Okay, sounds good. Woody, what's your single biggest issue with the franchise tag? The way the NFL is set up with regard to the tag. 
can we get rid? Can we get rid of the franchise tag? <laughs> like, I like seriously. It. I mean, listen. I, anyone who like follows me on social media, I'm a big NBA fan. I love the NBA, and the the, the off season, the free agency period for the NBA, just been to me, it's just been fascinating. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine like the 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 NFL without the franchise tag, with all the different players being able to have. Being basically being unshackled and, and just having these bidding wars yeah. and, and all these moving pieces. You're trying to get I out of be, a heart attack? I, I think it would be, like, to me, it would be chaos. I love that. I love chaos. And I think it would be great for the, it would be great for the National Football League. And, Jeff, we were, we were talking about it in the, in the green room. Yeah. Some of the, the men, it's the problem is the mentality. Yeah, the mentality of the yeah. players. Yeah, the problem is it's collectively bargained, right? So, so we we've had the franchise tag now, and it's been collectively bargained for years. And the issue is 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 that for most players, it hasn't been a priority because it only affects one guy a year, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so w- when you're talking about in the scheme of 53 guys, you know, when I when I'm in Indy, if it's Marvin, Reggie, Peyton, Edrin coming up for franchise, and me. I know I'm going to get a deal done because it's going to be one of those guys, right? So as, you, as you're looking at the way that the NFL locker rooms are designed, it doesn't, it doesn't push on enough guys' priority button. And so to, to, uh, to Damian's point, the interesting part will be in collective bargaining coming up soon, will they all hold serve together and say, hey, look, we're going to break this, no more franchise tag, no more, or we can make some different adjustments. You can have one guy, you know, kind of the Larry Bird type deal. He doesn't get – you know, you can you can have one guy just go free, right? Doesn't count against the cap or whatever, whatever kind of creativity they could use in the salary cap. It will be interesting for me to see. Because, How much time did you guys spend talking about that? Uh, you, you you get a ton of time, but here here is the issue for all. This was for commissioner. This is for franchise tag. When it only affects a few players in the game, it's difficult to get everybody on board, right? It's it's difficult because it's not. It's not 12 guys on a team. It's not hoops. Yeah, and it's 53 guys, and, and, and the attrition rate in the NFL is a, is, is a third of a, a year. So you're talking about 33% of the team is on the way out every year. So if you look at the way that the game is designed and, and the way that it has been set aside, it's a difficult task at hand. It is so much more fun, to, to Woody's point, it's so much more fun to have it the other way. The problem is – can we all get together and go, what, hey, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold is, serve. I'm I'll not going to do it. Is that winnable? Is, is that a winnable I, thing? Absolutely. So they, you think but, that but, they could but, remove the tag. But you have your biggest players in the game have to do it. I mean, when you talk about the NBA, yeah. the guys he's talking about, they're the face of the game. The guys, the face of the game, have to be willing to go, no more. They, they, Le'Veon Bell tried to do it, and I hate to say it, but he failed. Right. But, but he's a running back. Again, he's a running back. He's a running back. He's a running back. That's, that's the double tag. Hey, hey, let me clarify what I mean by the by the all the quarterbacks. Yeah, the quarterbacks have you to know decide. Who I no more. Because you know that's who I would love. Why do we see quarterbacks getting tagged? That doesn't ever happen either. You, you know who I would like a guy like like Russell Wilson or Andrew Luck when they had when they had when they basically had the the, the all the all the leverage and opportunity. To really like break the mold, I give listen. I give a lot of respect to uh, Kirk, Cousins. Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Absolutely, yeah, but Kirk Cousins will just which is betting on himself. Just keep betting. I'm gonna just you know what? I'm gonna bet on myself. But I think the problem is a lot of guys because of the game that we play and the physicality of it. Guys are like, you know what, man? If I put myself out there and I get hurt, let then, me I, then I screwed myself. But let, instead let, of really betting on himself, let's go to history though. The really the the, the players who really pushed the franchise tag, Walt Jones. 
who was a tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first guy to continually put – he wasn't afraid of the tag. He played for the tag every – fine, tag me. I'm going to come in this year. I'll come in the day before the game, first game, whatever it's going to be. I'm going to go play, right? I mean – But it's, it's always running back. It's, it's no, running back. But it doesn't have – it's, it, but it's, 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 it can't just be a running back. It's got to be left tackles, yeah. quarterbacks, defensive corners, yeah, defensive right? Like yeah. guys who they're building, they're building teams around. Those are the guys who are ultimately going to have to all come together and say, hey, we're just not going to do the tag anymore. And then you got to be – listen, you have to be ride or die on it now. I mean, like, like – yeah, I don't see if it you, happening. If you yeah. see any – if the owners see any wiggle, yeah. it's a done no deal. Because they will happening. not give up. Because it's it is, it is the you know, it is the pin for them. They ultimately hold it because they can keep kind of power in that structure. They are not going to give that up unless it is a complete, you know – Everybody's in, and yeah. it's going to have to be high priority too, right? Because there's no, going to be a list of other things we're trying to get. Sure. You got to give, something. You give something else up. The priority. Eagles. Take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Reloaded for another Super Bowl run this offseason. They brought back old friend Deshaun Jackson while also trading former Bears running back Jordan Howard. They scooped Malik Jackson after the Jags let him loose, and they traded up to draft left tackle of the future, at least in theory, and Andre Dillard in the first round. So Eagles right tackle Lane Johnson joins us. From his offensive line camp called O-Line Masterminds. It's in Texas. Our all-pro. We got the, you know, everybody knows Jeff Saturday. You also know the two-time Super Bowl champ over here in Damian Woody. So we got all offensive linemen hanging out right now. So let's start off right here. It seems like it's going to come down to in the East. You got the Cowboys. You got the Eagles. It's going to be an old-school brawl. Why should we believe in the Philadelphia Eagles? I don't think you should believe anything personally. That's what the, hey, that's what the games are for. All I know is that, uh, we can only control what we can't control. I think there's a lot of expectations of what we can do or what we should do. But as you know, that's what the games are for. I think we're ready for week one against the Redskins. And, uh, as far as confidence, I think we're confident, but, uh, not cocky. So I think we're in a good place. Hey, Lane, I know that there was a lot of, uh, chatter coming out of Dallas, especially from, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, man. It's, uh, what, what, what's, uh, what's the deal with Demarcus Lawrence and how, how are you able to deal with him every time you play, play against him? He's a great player. Uh, it's just, it is what it is. I think he's a confident guy. I think he's a guy that kind of, um, you know, runs the show there for Dallas as far as they're on the defensive side of the ball. And just a guy that, you know, way it is, I have to face him two times a year. So um, I love competing against him and, and it is what it is. Hi, Lane. Jeff Saturday. I love the shirt here, O-Line Masterminds. So tell me this. Y'all are down in this camp. Tell me about the dudes you're talking about blocking. Like, give me the inside details. Are we talking dudes? Are we talking technique? Are we snatching guys down on the ground? Like, what are we doing at the O-Line Mastermind camp? Hey, we're talking at all. We're talking about the O-Line life in general, which, is, you know, not a whole lot of people really know about. So we had a, a lot of lot of people there in the room. I mean, a lot of, a lot of pro guys. Um, a lot of college guys, and really, we're just talking ball. We're talking technique. We're talking, you know, what should we do against this opponent, uh, training, and then, um, you know, really everything. So I think it was, it was really just to get all the guys in one room and, and really just talk talk ball, something that's never really happened. So, um, you know, it was, it was a good day today, really good day. Hey, listen, I love what you're doing. This is my one request. Next year, invite me and Woody down, but not to Texas. Take us somewhere that's nice and cool, bro. Some, be- <laughs> hey, some better environment. You know, can we, hey, we like to seek shade, man. Find somewhere nice and cool and bring me and Woody out to come give a little advice and maybe, maybe sow some old past sets from the old school guys. Hey, I, I'm down for it. Hey, you picked the place, and I think we can arrange that. But that's, uh, you know, I'm glad you said that. that's really what it's about. We're trying to cultivate wisdom. We love hearing from the 
the guys that have that have done it before. So you know, I love listening to the legends and really just trying to be a sponge and, and soak up what you can. And and really, I think the whole message behind here is uh, just trying to be the best player you can. Uh, really, the the mastermind behind all this really kind of arranged all this. Duke Mannyweather, he's down here training a lot of the guys and, and has been doing that for for a little while. So uh, done a great job of setting it up and getting the guys here. And and uh, man, it's been a it's been a good day so far. Hey, Lane, to you, who were who some of uh, maybe the two or three top offensive lines in football? Who do you really respect around the league? Man, I can go down the list. I mean, I like Pittsburgh. I like um, I like Dallas. I think they're really good. I like Green Bay. Um, I like us. I like uh, I like the Saints a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really, um, you know, it's really about the player. It's about how the style of how they play. I feel like the whole line is really an art form. Um it is what it is. Uh, you know, these guys get paid for one sack or one great play a game, whereas all of its linemen you have to play 70 excellent plays uh, for the game. And, and if you do that, then that's a great game. So it's really um, getting our identity down and, and really just understanding what it's about. And uh, I think just having these guys here to discuss all that, I think it's been a beautiful thing for us. And that Eagles offensive line been phenomenal for so long. Heck, in large part, thanks to that man right there. Lane, enjoy the camp. We really appreciate you taking some time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're going to go through all of these records. So you talk about which one of them may stand, which way hang around. So let's start with the Peyton Manning record, talking about the touchdowns. What's the percentage chance and who may be able to break this thing? All right, I'll start this off, guys, and I'm just going to stick with the number. First of all, we're going to say 55% chance. Oh, I see what you right. did there. Real cute, right, Jeff? I see what you did there. <laughs> well, let me get to my point here. First of all, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, 53 touchdowns. We cannot say that, that there's no chance here. I would say that there's a very good chance the way quarterbacks are playing here. But it's not that easy, right? Mahomes, first of all, we don't know what's the deal with Tyreek Hill. We don't know how the absence of Kareem Hunt will impact him. I think he's going to be a beast, but 55 touchdowns, that's otherworldly. The other point we need to make, second place behind Mahomes when it came to throwing touchdowns last year, Andrew Luck with 42. Right. So the drop-off is significant. Still, man, there's a good chance we talk about Andrew Luck, we talk about Russell Wilson, Drew Brees. These guys toss touchdowns, fellas. So Randy Moss went off. Remember that 23-touchdown season? It's the passing league now. Could this one be broken? Percentage chance, and who may be able to do it? I'm going to say this is – hold on, let me get – look. I'm going to get my 5% chance That's it? that this one's getting broken right here. Listen, yeah. 23 touchdowns by a receiver, this is no joke. That's I mean, crazy. It, 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 when, there are certain numbers that you hear as a football player that it just – you just look and go, for real? One guy – 23 touchdowns? So – defenses can take away your number one guy, but it's not just that offenses have done such a good job of not being predictable to go to just one player. Not to take anything away from Randy Moss, who was an absolute stud, Hall of Famer, all of that implies, but offenses have now said, hey, we're going to push our ball one way or a different way. We're going to try to feed other guys, spread the ball around, so it's just difficult for me. to ever get quick, Randy Real Moss, quick, to you, to you, Jeff, the most likely, like who could break that record? Michael Thomas. I think Drew okay. Brees, especially now, um, you know, you have Kamara who's going to be, who's, who's there. Ingram's gone. I know they have Lat Murray coming over, but the bottom line is Brees, their defense isn't going to be as good, is going to have to step up and make plays. Can't guard Mike. going to have to be that guy, right, to go make those plays. But again, chance you break that record. And listen, he could have an incredible year and not break the record. Quarterback's got to be doing it too. We can flip the board. This to me probably the tough, especially in the new NFL, if you will, the 28 rushing touchdowns back in 2006. (laughs) Can't even keep him straight first. Any chance. That's a goose. Here, hold on. Let let me help help this too. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Zero percent. Yeah. 
forever. No, forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what that is Jack, right there. Jack, listen, 28 rushing touchdowns by a running back. First of all, the game has changed. Okay, Correct. I mean, LT, obviously, one of the all-time greats, Hall of Famer. The game has changed. Now we're – people are spreading spread, – offense are spreading you out. They're getting the ball in different, different players' hands. I mean, 28 yeah. rushing touchdowns. That it's, was absurd. It's insane. Just, I mean, even during that, even during that time, yes. it was insane. Yeah. In this era, no way. No, no way. way. The best touchdown celebration, too. Not going to happen. It's going to be like Dom that, Schultz. Nobody's even hit 18 in a single season since the 28 of LT. I think that one may be forever, like the boys said. Yes. We have this press coverage. New York Jets tweeted, NFL suspended tight end Chris Herndon for the first four games. What? How good is he? What does this mean? Oh, this is a big blow for the Jets. You're talking about one of the best young tight ends in the National Football League. would be huge for Sam Darnold in his second year. So to take this piece away in the first four games, man, that's, that's a big blow for that Adam Gates offense. There's no doubt. Oh, oh, get out of here. <laughs>